Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Ridge, and our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. So as a piece of that, our goal each week is to bring you something that's hopeful and helpful. So subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Hey everyone, this is part two of my conversation about kids and students mental health with Lisa, who's a licensed professional counselor. If you missed the previous conversation, then I would encourage you to go back and take a listen to part one first before listening to this one. And as always, if you know someone that you think would benefit from this conversation, please just share this episode with them so that they don't miss it and the helpful things that it has. Now in this conversation, Lisa and I talk about how to develop some better thought processes, both for kids, students, and for adults, and then we get to a lot of listener questions. So here's part two of my conversation with Lisa. So you you mentioned that there's kind of a, a range of gambits of how quickly emotions can be processed and just like up and down all those things. Yes. I know that it's really easy to maybe have some thought patterns and thought processes that aren't healthy, that spiral, that um, yeah. kind of kind of repeat a cyclical cyclical nature. Mm-hmm. What might be some ways to to teach someone or kids and students, whoever, how can you have some healthier thought processes? Yeah. Uh, good question. This is super important to learn too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It might be lots of adults that are like, please tell me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's so easy for our minds to have a worry and just spin it out of control, right? It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. One of the things that I like to do with people and for myself too, is ask the question, we're worrying about what could happen versus what will likely happen because usually our worries go to a worst case scenario. If you take some time to kind of process through that. So you say like, here's my big worry break it down. What are the details that I know about whether this actually is going to happen? What are some, like, what's some data behind why that likely won't happen? If it does happen, what's my plan and how will I deal with it? So like kind of just breaking it down into those different questions of like dealing with those, those worried um, thoughts can be helpful. A big thing for having just kind of overall healthier thought processes is being able to reframe a scenario. Um, So again, you're kind of gathering actual information as opposed to focusing on what could be like the initial negative thoughts of something. Um, One thing I like to do too is establish with students and with people of all ages, is establish what we call these truths about yourself. So these are things that can then combat the negative thought patterns. So if you're having a negative thought pattern, that's something along the lines of, I'm a failure, I'm never gonna get this project done. What is a thought pattern or a a truth that I know about myself that can combat that thought? And my truth Mm -hmm. is, I've been here before. I've done a project, not this project before, but I've done one similar to this before. And yes, it was kind of painful to get through, but I got through it and I was okay. Yeah. Um, so kind of, I like to kind of remind ourselves, what are your, what are your truths? What are your timeless truths that you can always go back to? And it might not feel great right now, but you know, it's going to be better and you know that you're going to be able to get through it. And 
what are some of the things that you've used in the past or what are some coping skills that maybe you can start to utilize that will help you get to a place where your thoughts are a little bit more aligned with those truths. There's an example that I like to talk about too and it's kind of along these lines I think. We talk about emotions and feelings and even thoughts being like clouds. So like mm -hmm. there are no clouds in the sky that are going to stay the way that they are forever, right? Mm -hmm. Clouds change emotions, thoughts also change. And so if you have it kind of as a little visual, which students like visuals too, all people like visuals, <laughs> um, <laughs> you see yourself kind of holding an umbrella, right? And you see all these clouds and these clouds might be the negative thoughts that you're having or the bad emotions that you're feeling. And your umbrella is kind of your coping skills. So what are some things that you do to kind of get you through those, those bad clouds. So coping skills can be anything from um, utilizing some like deep breathing techniques, calling a friend to talk about how you're feeling on the phone, um, playing some music, listening to music, going for a walk outside, petting a dog, <laughs> like, yeah. um, and bringing in those timeless truths about yourself. Those are all your umbrella against kind of all the, the negative clouds until they pass, until they change. And then, you know, then you move on and you, yeah. So I like that kind of analogy with kind of dealing with tough thoughts, tough emotions, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I really like that. I also know that any student or kid that is listening to this and has been dying to get a dog is now just like, <laughs> I need to get a dog. <laughs> now I've got some ammo to talk to my parents, coping mechanism. Yes. But here's the thing with dogs. There's also usually opportunity to go and like walk dogs that are at a pound, which Ooh, is big. sometimes a better, <laughs> then you're getting your, um, your volunteering, your community, you know, you're getting yeah. that piece of things. Wow. That is a pro Checked tip right there. The that is a pro yeah. tip. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure for a lot of these thought processes too, like the first couple of times is when it's the hardest to, to learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, and absolutely. then as you kind of create this rhythm and this pattern of, no, I know how, I know how this deep breathing thing works for me, or I know how to kind of quickly switch to this truth versus maybe this mm -hmm. lie that I'm, that I'm listening to and this, that I'm believing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's so good. That's so helpful. I wonder if we could, so, um, on our, on our social media channels, Instagram, mm -hmm. Twitter, um, Facebook, which if you don't follow us, by the way, those listening, please follow us. So you can, uh, learn all about the stuff that we're doing, but, um, we asked a question, Hey, what questions would people want to ask you, um, about, about their students, about, about mental health. And I was curious if I could just maybe, maybe ask you a few, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So I'll try to kind of synthesize some concepts together, but okay. um, here's a quick question. So this is kind of an overall one. So how have you seen some parents maybe address their child's mental health needs outside of what a school might offer mm -hmm. and like, like maybe community resources, things like that, you know, maybe it is going to the, the dog shelter and, and uh, walking a dog, but <laughs> not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're afraid of dogs, then it Very probably funny. wouldn't yeah. be so great. <laughs> Unless you're trying to get over some sort of yeah, fear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. So again, I just really want to kind of, Hammer home, um, encouraging your kids with your own experiences, um, meeting them where they're at, 
telling them that the gamut of emotions and feelings are all normal. And oftentimes they need to just kind of process through it and that you're there for them. Um, Inviting your kids to kind of share their feelings, reassuring them that dealing with problems is a normal thing. Um, Dealing with them directly and head on are usually better than kind of waiting and just seeing how things go. Um, As far as community resources go, I think it's great to get kids on board with, again, volunteering with different things. Um, different nonprofit organizations, um, maybe even for students like going and like, I don't know, volunteering to read to younger students in different areas. Um, Mm. That sort of thing can be super beneficial as well. Um, It's, I think it's hard because teenagers like to get into their own like routine and maybe they are like playing video games for four hours a day because that's like their control. They're controlling that. But like, I don't know, just trying to bust up any sort of like thing that you could see as becoming maybe this over time, not so healthy for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think too, there's, there's power in addressing how, like if a student is verbalizing something emotional way that they feel to you and not happy with that emotion, right? If they're feeling depression or anxiety and they're expressing that to you and they're Mm -hmm. saying, I don't want to feel this way okay, well then here are some steps that we can take to kind of address mm-hmm. that. And they might not always come out and, and say that, which kind of leads into my, my the next uh, listener question. So this person says, so having two kids in middle school, it's kind of hard to understand where they're at mentally. Mm-hmm. What might be the best way to approach this? Like having um, a bigger question than just like maybe how are you doing, but how are you doing really? And mm-hmm. how often should someone have those check-ins? We touched about this a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about, you know, setting a good goal of maybe like a weekly check-in. Yeah. Um, I think, yes, sometimes you have to get really creative because you can like ask your kid, every every parent experiences this. You, Your kid gets home from school, you're like, oh, how was your day? Fine. You know, <laughs> there's not much there. Oh, right? I know, because that's exactly how I would answer my mom, right? Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> I don't answer everything, you know, we're yeah. not going to just jump into uh, going to a deeper level or sharing, unless we're like a very emotional person, which most people aren't, most teenagers are not open to share. So the trick in parenting um, and getting in with your kids in this sort of thing is making it fun, making like a a game out of things that they're going to look forward to. Um, Asking more poignant questions that they can't just answer with like a yes, no, or fine. Right. So, um, and there's a lot of, so if you were to just like Google promoting emotional well-being in students, um, games, icebreakers, there's a lot there on the internet, to be honest with you. Um, and so again, I think it's just asking a lot of questions like, you know, let's do our, let's do our weekly check-in and, um, can you tell me about a time this week where you felt really proud of yourself, something that you did? Um, can you tell me um, about a time this week that maybe like didn't go so good for you? Um, and what are some other things that you want to talk about? Highlights for the week, low, you know, lows for the week. Um, one thing that we do in our home and we have young kids is at dinner time we'll do um, just to promote them talking about feelings and experiences, we'll do uh, um, what 
what today made you mad, glad, or sad? And, you know, we get a lot of silly like responses, but sometimes there's really stuff there. And that fosters an opportunity to have those conversations. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there, you know, that you can kind of use to get to a more deeper level. Um, but I would say, you know, middle schoolers shoot for trying to do this at least weekly. Um, some kids are more into it and you could do it daily and make it part mm. of your daily routine where, like I said, at dinner, you're checking in with them. Um, and then if they bring up something that maybe needs a little bit of follow-up from you, then, then you, you check in with that too. Yeah. That's really good. I, I, um, I love the concept of, of making it fun and bringing it beyond the focus on just the conversation itself, which can yeah. carry a weight to it, to making it holistically something that, um, they can embrace. I think it's great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. another middle school question. Okay. If the middle student, schoolers. if a, yeah, middle schoolers, um, gotta love them. Yeah. Uh, so I have so many middle school stories anyway. Uh, so what is the best way to help a child with anxiety adjust to middle school? Yes. Um, good question. And I think there's a lot of middle schoolers who experience anxiety as a whole. Uh, I think as a parent, what you can start by doing is um, ask them, talk about their questions, talk about their concerns, talk about any specific fears, phobias that they have identified that can be addressed. Um, Try not to minimize their concerns, right? I think oftentimes we say like, oh, that's not a big deal. Well, it's a big deal to them. So Mm. make sure you're, um, you're realizing that as a parent. Um, oftentimes if they have difficulty actually verbalizing their concerns or where the anxiety is coming from, um, doing some kind of exploring of emotional experiences with them can be really helpful. So just kind of walking through their day, like, did you, how did you feel when this happened? How did you feel when that happened? I think, again, a lot of people are um, hesitant to talk about feelings and emotions within their household and with people. But we know that the more, the more of a um, understanding that kids have of emotions and feelings, the, the better off they're going to do um, from a mental health perspective throughout life, the more adaptable they're going to be. So um, again, so kind of talking with them um, when it comes to anxiety specifically with with kids starting to kind of like utilize some of those coping skills that we talked about. So maybe they can start to incorporate some, um, some breathing techniques when they're starting to feel anxiety physically in their body um, or even when they're feeling it in their brain. Um, There are things that we call grounding techniques. um, And that can be, um, you know, some kids can carry like a little stone in their pocket Um, we call these worry stones. Um, you can push your kind of like push your hand into it. And so you're getting the the physiological benefit of that. And you can do it just in your pocket as you maybe do some breathing or you remind yourself of the truths, um, that, Mm -hmm. that you have established. So as a middle schooler, my truths might be, you know, I'm going into school. I'm really nervous, but my truths are I'm brave. Mm -hmm. I know what's expected of me when I'm here. Um, if I believe in Jesus, I could say something like, I know God will protect me. Um, and I know I'm going to see my brother after school or at recess or something while kind of like gripping my hand because the, both the, 
utilizing those kind of truths in our mind and the physical aspect of like clenching something, um, doing both of those at the same kind of time can be really beneficial in um, kind of getting through those really anxious moments. Um, so those are just a couple of things. Um, again, parents can kind of talk through worry versus truths. And there are, I mean, again, there's some like worksheets and stuff like this online, honestly, that yeah. parents could, could access um, if their kids are open to it, talking through their yeah worry versus truth worksheets, talking through hesitations, coming up with some thoughts and ideas for promoting getting through those kind of anxious or panicked moments. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I wonder too, you mentioned some of this about like a fifth grader experiencing like in hopefully they can during like recess or something, get some of the, the exercise. I yeah. wonder, I know that one of the hard transitions from a fifth grader to a sixth grader is the fact that a lot of times they've, they've missed out on that recess type experience because they're in middle school okay. now. Right. Right. And so they might not have all of a sudden their activity level might have dropped dramatically from yeah. what it was the previous, previous year. Um, so I wonder if incorporating, like you mentioned, some of that exercise, that activity could be super helpful too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think exercise in whatever form it takes is always beneficial for people, however they yeah. can get it in. And for kids specifically, especially kids who need, to, there are just like kids who just need to move their bodies a lot more than others. And yeah. that's totally normal too. Um, but helping as a parent or a teacher, as a guardian, helping kids find ways and opportunities to get that energy moving is really um, vital. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I can ask two more questions, is that is okay? That, is that good? Is that good? Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> so much wisdom as being a part of it. I feel like my brain is exploding right now, but it's good. Oh no, we so, should just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so, school year's changing. There's lots of transition. There's lots of change of like routine. Yes. This person asked, "How do you help help prep your child for the change of routine?" Oh yes. I'm experiencing this this week as well. <laughs> I'm realizing I didn't take my own advice. Um, so here's what I would say, and we might be a little bit past this now, but um, start early <laughs> yeah. uh, as much as you can, at meaning maybe a couple weeks before you know your routine is going to start. Try to get the ball rolling a little bit with maybe it means getting up earlier, um, getting the things done in the morning that need to get done before we practice getting out of the house two to three times a week <laughs> before having to do it. Um, if you're already in it, fine, you can do it. Um, but <laughs> it might mean, you yeah. know, it might mean just kind of um, starting a little bit earlier in the day then as a parent, sometimes mm. um, if you know, yeah. If you know that your kids need a little bit more time in the morning, then um, you're going to need to just kind of get them going a little bit more in the morning. Um, as far as the change in routine, early on, I think it can be beneficial to talk with them about what the expectations are in the morning. So um, say you have a middle schooler and they're tough to get out of bed. They're tough to get in the shower. They're just blah, blah, blah. Talk about setting up maybe some sort of motivational thing for at the end of the week. Hey, if we can get all these expectations done each morning, get out the door and get to school on time, then on Saturday, we are going to, you can sleep in and then you can choose 
like a family activity for us to do. So like a little bit of behavioral motivation can go a long way with um, getting these routines going. Um, another thing with like the change of routine is I like to say, try to front load kids with information as much as possible. And this helps kind of with warding off a bit of anxiety as well. So yeah. like letting the kids know what, what they can be, what's expected of them, but then what they can expect in return from, um, from their school day and that sort of thing, um, can be beneficial. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. All right. So last question. And mm-hmm. so, um, if someone has a child with maybe some ADHD or challenges mm-hmm. like negative self-talk or something that makes transitioning to school normally maybe a little bit more challenging, yeah, what might be some really helpful ways to approach like the adults at school, like the teachers, oh, um, sure. maybe if you're, if your child's experiencing some of those things. Yeah. Um, I think that open communication is very helpful when we are talking about a student that may have a bit more challenges with certain aspects of the school routine, school day. And I would hope that the teachers, and it's been my experience that most teachers would also like more open communication. They're not going to shy away from a parent saying like, Hey, we know this about John. He's going to need X, Y, and Z. Um, as far as like meeting with teachers, I would say at the beginning of the year, you can't, you can't plan too much. So like asking for specific times to meet with them or email them directly with any concerns. Um, you can also kind of like inquire with the teacher about like, have you been observing this in the classroom? Have you been observing that? Um, and then talk about coming up with a plan. Uh for kids who specifically have identified challenges, say ADHD, um, maybe even like autism spectrum disorder, that sort of thing, usually the school is on board with coming up with a plan because they want the success of the child to be great as much as the parents do. Um, With the kids themselves, they also need to be part of the plan because you have to have a big, a big term is called like having their buy-in, right? And so if you don't have the kids buy in, nothing's going to go as planned, but I would encourage parents to um, approach it from a, here's the information that I have. How can we work together collaboratively as a team? Um, And like, there's no such thing as like over planning for that. Does that make sense? Oh, hundred percent. Right. So in, when I was, when I was a student pastor, one of the big things that was super helpful for me was when a parent would talk to me about some of the challenges that their student might be facing, because then I have a whole different uh, perspective on if something happens when like during, during a message, if I, if I'm talking and a student starts saying something, my context for why they're saying that has completely changed, which alters like my response or maybe how I might have a conversation with them afterwards. And so that communication upfront can save, I think, a lot of the um, potential negative experiences for both the teacher and the student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And it also can provide a um, consistency for the child. Um, so we want to make sure that the expectations of them at school are going to be aligned with expectations at home and that everyone's kind of on board. Um, with that. Yeah. That's, that's phenomenal. 
Lisa, thank you so, so much. Yeah. This is so, so good. Uh, and just such a wealth of information and perspective. And I know that historically in the church, conversations about mental health have, haven't have always been in the forefront. And uh, there's this, this common stigma about, well, if I have if I have faith, if I have Jesus, then I don't need to, to do these things. Um, but that's, to me, that, that, that doesn't really ring true. It's like mental health is yeah. just an aspect of your body and who you are. And, the, and stewarding your mental health is the same thing as stewarding any other aspect of, of your life. And so, um, yeah. And so obviously there's a, there's a portion of this we didn't necessarily get to about inviting God into these things and, yeah. and how prayer and, and faith can play a role. Um, but Absolutely. love... Yeah, love the conversation, love the perspective. Thank you so much. Thanks for spending the time. I know maybe we went a little bit over, but um, it's really good. <laughs> it's okay. Good. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor, as always, to talk. Um, and certainly bringing in the aspect of um, that relationship with Jesus and what that can do for our mental well-being and overall health is a whole nother conversation, but makes it all make sense in my brain. So yeah. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Well, that wraps up my conversation with Lisa. Thank you so much for listening. I think a, a big takeaway involves using true statements to overcome some of the worry and negative thought processes that we have. You know, kids and students, they might need some help coming up with the things that are true about themselves. So it can be really helpful to help them brainstorm some options. A big truth that I go back to for myself is just the knowledge of how deeply loved and valued I am by Jesus. And that has made a huge impact on my life and continues to really every day. Now, next week, we'll have a conversation with you with one of the pastors of the Ridge, Tyler Volkers, where I got the chance to talk to him about this idea that people often say, which is that God only wants me to be happy. We talk about that, if it's true or not, and what that means for our lives. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations.